Welcome to Psychocomicology, the study of comic books and comic culture under a psychological lens. Today is episode three where we are addressing diversity in comics and comics culture beyond the superhero mold. Today I have with me Joe Serrano. I am the clinical director of Ramos and Associates, which is a, um, I am a licensed professional counselor. Hi, my name is Lee Woods. I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Illinois, and I'm also the director of operations at Ramos and Associates. I'm Kelly. I'm a mental health therapist uh, working with children, adolescents, and adults in both English and Spanish. My name is Samantha. I am an LPC in the state of Illinois. I also teach at a university uh, where I teach in the clinical mental health field as well as school counseling. Welcome all. Dr. Serrano, so I know that you do a lot of work on comics and comic diversity and have presented at several comic conventions along with some of us here as well. How would you like to begin talking about diversity in comic books? Well, I think um, maybe the best place to start is where things have originated from and going through our history of comic books, the maybe not so pleasant things that have happened in the past and what comic books have done, the industry and the field has done to address these things and where we still have to go with them. So I'm intrigued with the not so pleasant. I think that's always a great starting point to talk about the non-pleasant. Okay. So I know in terms of the history, you know, primarily being a person who studied Marvel comics and uh, who grew up on Marvel Comics, I I was primarily, you know, affected by some of the earlier portrayals of characters, I want to say. The original, the uh, one of the original challenges or um, depictions of a character was Iron Fist, and that was primarily related to concepts where they were, quote-unquote, whitewashing characters. And um, the original depiction of this was that he was Marvel's equivalent to kind of like a like a Batman-esque character and what happened with that was instead of taking a traditional Asian character and um, portraying him with you know within a superhero framework a lot of characters were believed to not be maybe as marketable to or or related people would not be able to relate to some of these characters so the answer was to change that change the ethnicity of some of these characters now are you talking in reference to screen series uh, movies or actually addressing comic books so i'm actually starting off with the comic books themselves so with iron fist you know this was during the era of martial arts where people were really into bruce lee bruce lee exactly bruce lee and you know the the old kung fu movies and things like that and shaolin monk you know that that kind of era people were trying to or or rather the industry was trying to tap into that market yeah that market and what happened was they they thought that maybe characters were too Asian to be able to relate to. So therefore the solution was to change them to somebody who looked familiar. And and the solution was that for Iron Fist was, well, how do we tap into the martial arts market or industry while still catering to the majority of, or at least who they thought was the majority of the readers. So they changed them into a white, rich character. So when you say changed them, he originally came out as a different ethnicity actually no i i take that maybe change was a poor choice of words but more so you know when they were when they were going back and forth about the the concept of who this character should be the idea was to market iron fist as a rich white character who was trained in tibet by these tibetan monks to become iron fist 
Gotcha. Now, I know that Marvel also introduced uh, Shaolin, Master of Kung Fu, mm-hmm. or Shang-Chi, excuse me, the Master mm-hmm. of Kung Fu. Was that prior to Iron Fist or after? Ooh, that one, that one I actually don't know. And DC also had Karate Kid, I believe. And mm-hmm. that all came around the same era in the mm-hmm. 70s around there. Right. So the, and both of them, uh, Karate Kid as well as Shang-Chi, were Asian characters. And Bruce Lee appeared in comic format for the first time in that era, too. And I can't remember the name of the comic or the series, but he also came out. Do you think that was in response to how well those comic characters came out that were represented by Asian individuals? Or was it you know, something else? <clears throat> I, I honestly don't know. I know that... Um, there's always been this maybe feud or maybe underlining, you know, conf- conflict or, or um, you know, battle, you want to call it, between certain comic companies. And Marvel and DC have been known to take characters and adjust them to complement each other or to, you know, play off on each other. So you have characters like Dead... Who's Deadpool and Deathstroke? Deathstroke, yes. Yeah. Deathstroke and Deadpool. You have people like Darkseid and Thanos. So it wouldn't be surprising if Iron Fist was Marvel's answer to what was happening on the DC end. Other thoughts on that? My first question is more so towards Iron Fist and when his comic was introduced. Because like, you mentioned it was during the martial arts era. Was that also like in the 70s, 60s? Well, Bruce Lee, when his movie Enter the Dragon really popularized martial arts and really brought that culture to American mainstream. Unfortunately, the movie was released post-death and he didn't really get to reap the benefits while he was alive to see how that came out. But that was really the springboard for martial arts in in our culture is where we saw that. And during that time is where we saw a springing of characters such as Shang-Chi, Karate Kid, that were popping up in, in comic book format. I just don't know exactly when Iron Fist came out, was prior to that or after that, um, but that's when you started to see uh, a lot of those characters really start to develop. Uh, the Asian characters, I, I believe, was popping up. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I mean, it's it's kind of challenging, too, in the sense that while there were Iron, where there were characters like Iron Fist, it's been challenging to see more Asian martial arts, um, well, more Asian characters in general within the comic book universe only until recently they started making more of a attempt i would say to add quote-unquote diversity to within comic books and and actually showing different types of asians or different ethnicities within technically uh if you want to go under the umbrella term of asian um different characters of that nature so so i have to ask the question or or the the idea when we talk about diversity what exactly is diversity and i think everybody would like to understand that the idea or the concept of diversity and the argument can be made is when you think about diversity you know culture traditions values are, are different so people of color different ethnic regions but there's subcultures, you know, skaters, uh, comic uh, individuals. Their diversity is, is a kind of a wide concept, but it sounds like what we're talking about when we say diversity is more about representation of ethnicities in comic format. Uh, it would be more the clear argument. And the reason why I pose that thought or that idea is uh, when I think about diversity in comics, I think comics has been one of the most diverse things that we've gotten to see when you think about Superman is from a different world. He's from Krypton. When you think of the Hulk, he's green. When you think of She-Hulk, female and green. When you think of characters like that, Rocket Raccoon. When you think of all these kind of characters, uh, many of the Guardians of the Galaxies, Captain Marvel, you think of all these characters, do they not represent diversity? They're not from Earth. They're from different worlds, universes, galaxies. 
we have different colored characters as well. That's diverse in a sense. To me, that would be diversity. So the idea of diversity, fiction or nonfiction, is what I'm asking is that are we really looking at diversity or are we looking at ethnic representation in comic books and how it's translated to the silver screen? Because diversity is arguably comics are diverse. We have animals as superheroes. We have otherworldly beings as superheroes, Galactus, Thanos, Death, all these characters. So uh, just to clarify for everyone, when we're referencing diversity, what are we referencing? I think that's an important part to take is that when we talk about diversity, it's really truly the representation that we see as the diverse individuals. For example, um, having Latino characters in comic books, we actually do have a quite a few, but it's how they're represented within the comic book stories. So I know we had previously had a conversation about, you know, who, who can we name that's a Latino female in comics? And the one that we kind of thought was funny was Snowflame. And that's the Colombian man <laughs> who snorts cocaine in order to have superpowers. And that was, you know, the funny thing of why did that need to happen? So Latinos all do cocaine. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Why, Excuse why, me, hold on. <laughs> why, why did the cocaine-sniffing superhero need to be Latino? Or why is that what we would get? Well, I, I, think, it's, I think it's based on what was considered, quote-unquote, acceptable and maybe I wouldn't call it appropriate per se but what was around or available at the time some people didn't know some people didn't know what was accurate some people based things off of stereotypes some people were especially writers were going off of their interpretations of what was going on so you know just to piggyback off of that in addition to characters like Snowflame we have characters like Egg Fu Young which uh, you know or Egg Fu I should say which is the um, the the villain who's the Chinese villain who's shaped like an egg you know I mean we have characters that just kind of lend themselves to stereotypes which actually people find horribly offensive so so we're looking at diversity and we're but we're talking about stereotyping of how these ethnic characters have been stereotyped and, and typecast into these particular roles that one would see as biased or, or very stereotyped. So I think it's multi-layered. So now we're talking about this idea of ethnic representation versus diversity versus stereotyping. So one could then speculate to your point, Dr. Serrano, if there is some sort of representation in the comic, is it one that maybe is appropriate that is done without this thought of stereotyping such as the latino snorting cocaine then it becomes another question because ethnic wise they are in the comic however are we also talking about superheroes being represented and again it goes back to diversity whether that be philosophical ethnic cultural and then how are they portrayed, maybe in a culturally sen- sensitive or appropriate way? You know, I'd like to ask everyone here with me today, let's go back to the original idea of diversity in comics. So if we all went one by one, so I'll start with you, Dr. Serrano. Do you think comics are diverse now? So once again, that touches on the idea of what is diversity and what is your interpretation of it. If we are looking at the idea of that diversity is about differences within w- difference of depiction, then, I, then yes, I would say that comic books touch on the aspect of diversity being that there are different characters, there are different species, there are different people in general. 
when it comes to representation as a diverse aspect of comic books, I think they've done better within you know these last few decades in terms of ethnic and to, in terms of ethnic representation. representation from a from a diverse lens yes lee i want to say yes with the caveat that although i agree with dr serrano that they have made significant progress in maintaining some sort of ethnic or cultural diversity i still think there is a lot to be gained from it Kelly. I would agree with a lot of what has already been said. I also think about other aspects of diversity that comic books could continue to grow and touch on, such as disabilities. I know uh, Charles Xavier is like the first example that I even have that comes to mind that is, you know, wheelchair bound. However, I also can't think of any other characters in comic books that show that they have some sort of disability so i think about disabilities i think about any kind of like medical issues any differences in terms of like religion spirituality Um, those are certain aspects of diversity that i think could continue to grow or we might be able to see more of within comics sam i do think that we have seen an influx in female superheroes on the diversity side more women representation just in terms of Riri Williams, Miss Marvel, Miss America, uh, Renee Montoya. So I do think that we are moving towards a better direction, but at the same time, I don't think that we see enough of that actual representation in media or even just in the public eye. Thank you for, for saying all that. So I, I we have some consensus on diversity it sounds like what we're looking at is there's diversity and then there's ethnic representation i think kelly one of the things that stood out and what you brought up is about disability and again it's about how we're defining the terms or how we're defining the concept and ideas i think we have a lot of individuals that would say and arguably that they want more diversity which we're probably looking at they want more ethnic representation so what is diversity when we're looking at disability i noticed that you quoted charles xavier with his wheelchair bound which definitely is a is a physical disability but what is a superhero without trauma and it almost reflects society as a whole when we look at we don't consider any kind of mental illness as a disability and you look at parity laws today they don't there's not equal pay for someone that's dealing with schizophrenia or depression as opposed to someone that's dealing with uh, some kind of physical disability and that there's a stigma towards that so with that i would even question is how do we look at disability within a concept of diversity do we really have diversity in superheroes when arguably a good amount of them have trauma and have some level of mental illness or mental uh, psychological constructs that they're dealing with. I wanted to turn the question back to you, but I think you already answered it in terms of diversity in comics today. And from what I hear you say, it almost seems with today's comics, with this, some would say widespread acceptance that superheroes at some level experience trauma and running through the catalog in my head, that maybe there is or is not a as many superheroes that have not had a traumatic history but are superheroes yes and no i think to a degree i would argue that there's a lot to have some kind of traumatizing event that's caused them to be able to or motivated or spark triggered them to become superheroes it's because of that particular event in their life batman's parents superman's world issues like that that have kind of caused events for them to motivate or be motivated to become superheroes. I I think what I'm really, 
addressing or looking at is we've done this talk several times in, at different levels, and I always argue the idea of diversity in that I am a proponent that comics are very diverse. In terms of ethnic representation, that's a little bit trickier in that I believe there is some ethnic representation. I think it has been steadily growing. I think Dr. Serrano and Sam both said that they, they see it growing and changing. I definitely would agree with that. But it goes back to our idea of stereotyping. A lot of the characters are stereotyped in terms of their ethnic representation. From way back when to even now, we have some very stereotyped characters that I think is what, one, is one at heart of the issue. The other issue I would argue or bring about is that, and I think, Dr. Serrano, you referenced it, is the whitewashing of characters is is one particular issue. Mm -hmm. And in our last episode, I think, Kelly, we were talking about is a lot of the female characters are the offshoots of the male superheroes such as Supergirl, Batgirl, Spider Woman, is that they're coming from the male dominated characters first and then becoming, you know, superheroes in their own right, but being named after male characters. So we have that also and I don't know I don't know if there's a term for that. We you know we, we have whitewashing but I don't know what we would call that particular thing. But maybe that's something we all can look at is mm-hmm. how do we view that? But we have a lot of individuals that want diversity want more ethnic representation as we do here and so their answer their solution was to make characters that already exist let's look at thor who becomes a female uh jane foster now it becomes thor and we still had individuals arguing well that's not the thor i grew up with and i I know i've said that myself i still value the character but it was changed and then we look we look at captain america i'm a huge captain america fan who is now african-american and depending on what time frame or what timeline of comics you read the first cap was african-american but you see changes let's look at nick fury from a white character to an african-american character so we see characters that were already existent and present as one ethnic just basically changed to the other ethnic representation is that enough does that really soothe us one and two is that really good enough just to say well hey let's make this character this color now and here now you got this representation of a character i particularly have challenges with that idea in the sense that i personally feel like i'm getting leftovers i feel as though well, you know, oh, I've had my fill of this. Now uh, you can have the rest of it, you know. And you know what? Just because you put it in a different container, I'm still eating leftovers, and I don't want leftovers. I want my own dish. I think that's a beautiful analogy. I mean, arguably, I actually prefer the Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury over uh, the original Nick Fury, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing, is what you're saying, is that it's still a leftover version mm-hmm. of another character. So... I guess my thing is for all our audience and as well as ourselves, do we really want diversity? Do we really want ethnic representation? What is it that we really want? Because on the other end, and the reason why I quoted earlier saying fiction or nonfiction for diversity in comics is that one of the things that comics elicit is the escape, the fantasy world. And one of the things I wanted to read is I didn't want to read someone that had my story, that had lived through what I read, uh, lived through, because then I'm just looking at my life again. I already know that world and that life because I'm living it. I want to escape. I want to see something that has different problems that I can latch onto and go, wow, you have your own set of problems, irregardless of diversity or ethnicity. You have your own problems that you're dealing with. I'm not alone with a problem, and it doesn't have to be my same problem, but you still struggle too, that we're all in this struggle. To read a character, a superhero character that's exactly my life, my story, I don't know if that would really soothe my appetite for fantasy or escape. 
because I'm not escaping anything. I'm just putting characters on that look like me, talk like me, doing the same things I do. That, that's the whole purpose for fantasy. When we think about such things as Dungeons and Dragons, we don't argue about diversity in Dungeons and Dragons. We don't argue about dragons being diverse or whatnot because it's an escape to be an elf, to be a druid, to be anything of that that night, that kind of a character modality. Why do we want that from superheroes or comics when some of us read it to escape? Some of us may read it to attach and kind of see similarity to it but how similar do we want it because there is the cautionary fact of if we get what we want we're getting whitewashed leftover versions of characters is that really what we want so to 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 piggyback off that point i do think that there are yeah i do i do think that there there is a challenge in terms of what um or maybe a discrepancy, I should say, in terms of what people want. Are you using comic books as an avoidance or an escape or fantasy, or are you using it to help you identify? And if you want to identify, yeah, the question is how much of it are you identifying with, whether it's someone's story or someone's skin color. When it comes to, you know, I've, I've heard it in very different ways, and um, I remember reading this one passage where someone was saying, the most the most detrimental thing that you can do to somebody is is show them that they don't exist and you know for for that to occur especially when comic books were originally perceived to be just for children or adolescents to show them that they don't exist was very challenging but then again i want to exist in a world where the character is a standalone character or or has made their own journey not someone else's journey per se I've been thinking about this idea of, based on our last podcast, and even now when we talk about diversity, uh, specifically with characters and comic books, but then become a different gender or di- different race. Uh, you said the example, Dr. Ramos, of Thor to Lady Thor and Jane Foster. My concerns come more so from those ideas of like Superman and Supergirl. Because especially with the Green Lantern Corps, is that you, you'll have certain characters, but then there's also females that are part of that core as well. Same thing for Thor. There's a also a Thor core. I remember like I'm um, blinking was that Wild Bill. Wild Bill was a Thor character. Beta Ray Bill? Beta Ray Bill, thank you. So Beta Ray Bill was a part of the Thor. Cool. I think Wild Bill was more in uh, Western comics. Uh, I was going to say, Bill well, Hickok at first I wanted to go with Billy Bob, and I know that wasn't <laughs> it. I don't think so. I don't think so either. And then there's also, say, Deadpool, because there was Deadpool, then there's Lady Deadpool, and then there's Kidpool, and then there's Duckpool, and then there's Headpool. <laughs> so you get these other characters that are in some ways a part of a core, but when it comes to those other characters, where you have the core, which is a team, but then you have these other characters like Supergirl, which is a direct copycat of Superman, just with a different gender. Same thing with, like, say, Batgirl. Just different backgrounds, but it's quite simply they deal with the same problems the same way. So it comes back to that aspect of lack of creativity, in my mind, where we're getting, as Dr. Serrano so eloquently said, getting leftovers. Because I want original stories. In some ways, if you look at it from an identity perspective, it is diverse. It's someone new. It's someone different. Story-wise, 
it's not very diverse. So then is the diversity, the, the lack of diversity in, in comic representation, a direct fallout of the lack of writers that are diverse? Is the, in, the industry itself not as diverse? Um, when we think about the, the original forming of all these comics, we look at a lot of these were young Jewish kids that were you know, coming up with characters, putting their plights on paper and how their struggles were, which is diverse. Do you think that, that there's something different in regards to how that works now? I think we have seen an increase in female writers at least from from this standpoint we have seen an increase but what i don't see is like their stories out there or being publicized so the marketing for these diverse characters is what's what's causing or creating the lack of awareness yeah i would definitely say so because we we have seen the increase in them but where are their stories actually being put out at? Where are we seeing them av- readily available for people to, to buy or to read? Well, if, if it's a marketing issue, you know, based on, you know, speaking where we are within Illinois and being so close to Chicago, you have to understand where are these comic book shops located that are actually selling these comic books? If you look at, you know, primarily where we're located in these nice suburban areas where it's primarily middle to upper class areas, you have not only the the stores that are available, but you have people who have the financial means to purchase them. When you get into places like the inner city in Chicago and south side and west side of Chicago, there are challenges with opening up comic book stores, let alone finding people who can afford the four dollars five dollars to purchase stories about finding representation for themselves absolutely i think that's one of the things we've we've presented on as well and we touched on our our last episode is the lack of diversity in in terms of where these comic book shops are located i grew up in little village pilsen area i don't recall having a comic book shop in, in that particular area there's needs to be some research or we need to look at where are comic book shops located who are the readers of these comics because arguably we're looking at supply and demand if we're not demanding it they're not going to supply it and and that's where i i questioned it last time regarding into women in comics is just the same concept goes for diversity in comics is that are we getting access to this are we getting the availability to even see who's out there do we really get to know who's really out there do we really uh, just not get to see any representation because we ourselves aren't marketed to. I know growing up on the south side of Chicago, there weren't any comic books in my area, comic book shops in my area, and especially those that I couldn't walk to as a kid. So the first comic books that I actually read were the Archie comics, which had Betty and Veronica. So those were my first actual representation of females in comics. And looking back at it, when we see females in comics, they're always seen as either the damsel in distress, which I know we talked about previously, or this other sinister figure. Betty and Veronica were essentially the same person, but one was the good girl. One was, you know, the bad girl. And that was my first introduction to comic books because that's what I could get from Jewel. That's what my mom could get me when she was checking out in order to not get me to ask for candy. (laughs) So other than that, my other first superhero comic I read was the Batman comics. Why? Because those were at Target. I would have to echo that. I mean, when I was uh, when I was in grade school many many moons ago, I um, found the availability of comic books were were things like Ninja Turtles. I, I think my my first comic book was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Transformers, 
what kind of representation are you finding there? There's no, there's no <laughs> even human beings, let alone. You can't identify with a turtle yeah. or. No, no. See that that's interesting because the the first comic book I actually read was My Greatest Adventure '87, I think it was, uh, which introduced the Doom Patrol, and you had you had the the leader in a wheelchair. You had one guy wrapped up in uh, Negative Man. You had wrapped up in this kind of Egyptian kind of, uh, what do you call that concept? Embalming, whatever. Yeah. And then you had a robot man, and, and then you had a, a female that would grow. So it was as diverse as I could understand at that particular age. For me, I think it was like, wow, these guys are all different. More importantly, the next thing that I got my hands on was Captain America. And it's interesting because being a Latino male and seeing a white male that embodies American culture, for me, that was astounding and is what I needed in that particular generation or era I was living at. One, because I learned to read English and speak English, reading comic books, reading about Captain America. But I also learned about American culture and values, at least through the eyes of the writers of Captain America, on, on how it is and what it is to be American. My parents immigrated from Mexico to this country, really couldn't teach me American culture, understanding that definitely understood Latino culture, but American culture was something I had to pick up either going to school or, or meeting with other friends. But I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a predominantly Latino neighborhood. So I didn't really have diversity in that area. I guess the concept would be I was very enculturated. Everything in our neighborhood was in Spanish. So I didn't really have to even learn English much outside of going to school, which was predominantly Latino as well. So the comic format and Captain America specifically gave me the opportunity to one, learn English, read English, speak English, but it also gave me an understanding about being American or at least in a fantasy world, what it is to be American. And it's interesting because it's not that I'm a shooting that where you know comics are definitely diverse let's not knock them down it's that that's why i asked the question what is diversity because to me white american was diverse for me because i grew up all around latino and latino culture so diversity for me was difference of my culture traditions and values so that was diverse so i learned about that culture i learned about how they understand things do things what it meant to be you know patriotic which a word i learned when i was reading comic books what's patriotic I learned about a diverse side that I wasn't really taught, or not because my parents didn't understand it, but they didn't know it well enough to be able to teach me that. So I'm very favorable in the idea of they're diverse in the sense of what's different from you. Because, again, when we talk about readers or we talk about uh, individuals wanting diversity, diversity from who would be the next idea? Do you, if you're asking for representation or you're looking at what you want to reflect you, then it's not diverse from you. It's diverse from other, too. It works in a, it's kind of like the idea of the acculturated process. It's a two-way process. So for me, not only were comics an escape, a fantasy, it was also a way to understand what's normal or what, what do others do that they don't do in my neighborhood. It was diversity for me, and, and I was very happy to see that, and I was very grateful to understand it and learn it. While we're talking about ethnic representation, that's a little bit different than diversity. Yeah, I don't really get to see, I really couldn't name too many Latino superheroes that have been really mainstreamed and popular. I, I think of George Perez's uh, White Tiger is probably one that really kind of... You didn't relate to Snowflame? Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> cocaine really isn't a thing for me, but, you know, apparently, uh, something. I, I picked up on some of those things, but I still couldn't relate and connect because some of it was stereotyped and some of it was really out of the norm for me that, well, that's not how it works in my culture, that's not that, that I found myself nitpicking things that that's not good representation, that I don't know if it really crushed my idea of then maybe I don't want diversity or, or ethnic representation because they can't do it right, 
So I might as well talk, learn about others or, or whatnot. But I'm, I'm trying to understand it from a, a psychological concept or lens of I really lost the idea of then what it is for diversity in comic or ethnic representation. Because to see something about my life or how I am that looks like me, I don't know if they would get it right. Unless it was me doing it. Which I find interesting as well, because when you say about that example and your story behind Captain America and the ethnic representation, it's interesting that you used the word escapism prior. Because if that is the market that they're trying to push in terms of maybe a story or identity or ethnic or cultural likeness. A lot of the maybe hesitation is I don't want to read that. It that's not a story I want to. I live that, so that is one fascinating to begin with because then ask okay who is your target audience? Then two, it challenges that that story to say okay what is it that we want to push out there and what type of audience are we trying to bring in to consume more comics? I think you you definitely bring up a great point. In that even as like female representation, we do have a lot of females in comics, even though now I can read Wonder Woman, I can read Zatanna, I can read all these other comics, I will still go back to Batman because he's who I identified with when I needed him the most when I was searching and that I don't obviously look like Batman. I don't look like Bruce Wayne, but I, I can identify with the search for identity, the search for who am I, the search with having dual roles. That's what I identified with. So I wasn't necessarily looking for diverse representation when I was young. I was looking for a story that I could connect with. And the person I connected with didn't necessarily look like me. I wonder if age at time or onset of reading comics, understanding diversity, understanding what it is to be ethnically different. I mean, developmentally, we understand our concept of identity early on uh, at, at pivotal stages in life. So when we start to pick up a comic book, where we are in relation to that, I wonder what the impact is to understand diversity. Because as a very young child, diversity really wasn't that big of a word for me. I, I couldn't say that I knew it. As I grew older, I started to look for more concepts and ideas of, of diversity and ethnic representation. And I remember reading the X-Men and thinking, wow, throughout high school, thinking, this sounds like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, you know, represented through Magneto and Charles Xavier. And the mutants were essentially persons of color. I didn't really identify them as one particular group, but I looked at them as, well, they're mutants, they're different, and how they were ostracized and pushed out. And I was able to identify with that and look at, wow, how it must feel. And, and these are the leaders that they have. And it's interesting because what it brought about was our lack of leadership in our communities for that representation that I didn't have that but I was able to look at characters such as Charles Xavier or Magneto's positions on their leadership and how they look at trying to integrate or whatnot and I was thinking that wow that's fascinating like why can't we have that and what what lacks in our community that we don't have that solidarity with particular leadership and I'm speaking towards the, the Latino community is that while there is some out there we really can't name historically too many strong Latino act, uh, activists that have been strong representations for the Latino culture we, we can identify some people but not too much so that's where my concept of diversity and ethnic stuff starts to kind of go back and forth is that what is it that we're looking for? How are we looking for it? And when did that idea really come into us? Did we do it as children that didn't have that sense of identity yet? Or are we looking at it as when we're reading when we're older? 
that it changes our views and our stances of what it is we want and need at that particular time? Or are we looking at individuals that are only basing it on cinematic versions of portrayals of superheroes? I believe that there's got to be some correlation or some intersect between age of when you read this, when you start reading it, from childhood to adulthood is going to impact what our needs are in diversity and ethnicity and ethnic representation, which then goes into how comics have evolved from being made for children to mature reads and all that. And looking at it is, do we have to break down and look at our comics that are made specifically for children diverse or not? Are mature read comics diverse or not? That's where I think that there's, there's such a, there is such a diversity in comics is that we have to really target what specifically are we looking at and understanding it from a developmental model as well. I would agree with you 100%. I think that, you know, basing this off of the clinical work that I do, these patients who are in their adolescence, they're looking for something very different than than patients who are in their early adulthood to late adulthood. Yeah, diversity isn't just measured in terms of skin color per se, but diversity can be financial diversity, cultural, religious diversity, um, philosophical philosophical diversity, the, the fact that you have brown hair versus I have black hair. I can't relate to that experience, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of having different skin color. We don't we're not the same identical individual, and because mm-hmm. of that, we are diverse individuals. We and have again, diverse experiences. Yeah. Especially from a developmental perspective, too, being an only child versus a child of six. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a completely different experience. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't have the experience of being a sibling. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I have the only... I can the, tell. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, I'm like, mine and mine alone, please. Um, I, I don't have that. So I don't know. Attacking children. Yeah. Yes, I, you know, I, I only know what it's like to have an individual framework of, you know, how do I, I don't know what it's like to, to share things or to, you know, have people constantly around me at nighttime or to, you know, have siblings where, where I get, I inherit their clothing. I don't know what that experience is like. It sucked, let me tell you. When do we start reading comics and how did it apply to us in terms of how we, how it shaped our view of diversity in comics? Mm-hmm. I think for me, like as everyone has been talking about this, I was trying to think back and reflect on my own personal experiences. And I, I know originally I thought that I started out with um, the X-Men comics. But as Sam mentioned, Archie comics and Jewel, that's when I started remembering like the, the aisles and where the Archie comics would be um, right there at the cash register, like right there where like the gum, candy, all that stuff was. And then I thought, when did I start seeing comics even before X-Men? And for me, it was newspapers. That was the only time that I really had, I would say, regular like access. access to comics was newspapers. And most of those, of course, were in English. Um, I don't recall comics in newspapers that were in Spanish. How old were you when you first read your, your Archie comics, those comics? Do you remember? Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember. I know elementary school. I know for sure it was elementary school. But even like the Archie comics, those, they didn't interest me. They didn't catch my attention. The comics, like the comic strips more so in the newspapers did. Um, I'm... I find myself being very picky with comics in general. I don't like going for the mainstream ones. I like looking more at 
those comics that aren't very well known that not everybody is interested in. So I have to ask the question, going back to the idea of developmental, Mm -hmm. uh, when we choose to read it, what we read and how we read it, when did you get the notion or the idea of being picky with comics of what you wanted to to be different? Because to to pick comics that weren't in the mainstream, you would have to have a good understanding Mm -hmm. of what is mainstream. And that's a more mature thought process Mm -hmm. as opposed to a child. Exactly. So how would... How did that occur? Do you remember like when you started reading comics that you wanted to pick because of that uh, non-mainstream view? If I were to think back on it, having that idea or that notion that I want to choose comics that are not mainstream, I would say probably started middle school, high school, somewhere around that time. But prior to that, it was more so about access and just whatever, like I guess, caught my eye, whatever caught my attention. And I think that's fabulous to understand because when we think about our high school experiences in terms of identity, that's one of the day, one, one of the times where we find ourselves most in an identity crisis mm-hmm. is during that high school era. So comics for you was that search for the non-mainstream, the non-popular, so that it would really reflect your level of development in terms of what you were seeking at that time. And I think it goes to the point of onset of reading comics really shapes what it is we're looking for at that particular era what we're looking for in that particular time of comic reads as, as you so put is you yourself in high school that's when it came out for you that's great to see because it does it does give credence to the idea of we look for things given what time we are in our development what it is we're looking for i think when i was a kid i mostly you know looked towards those like cartoony comic kind of characters you know like the ninja turtles or you know i would be probably more willing to buy, to to be interested in something like looney tunes versus you know something like you kelly who got more interested into certain kinds of stories when i was in my adolescence i think as a kid i was more so looking for just cartoony uh, i don't know if you want to just call it like slapstick comedy mm-hmm. slapstick comedy kind of can't be yeah it can't be slapstick comedy versus in my adolescence i was looking probably more so towards characters i could relate to and now as an adult i think towards the stories i i enjoy reading and it's part of it i think there's always a um this idea of searching for representation when I look for stories, but I think it's more in the back burner. I actually just kind of like looking for good stories at this point in time in my life. Well, just looking at psychological concepts, when you look at Erickson's stages, those first years where you're actually starting to read a comic book, you're in industry versus inferiority. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that you would be drawn maybe to comics that would have group dynamics, that would look at multiple different people so that you can identify with one of those members, whether it's the Archie comics, whether it's Ninja Turtles, whether it's Doom Patrol, you have a number of different people that you can say, ah, okay, within a group dynamic, this is how they work and this is how the individuals all work together. Then as you grow older, you go into identity versus role confusion, which then you kind of pick one solo person that, yes, I can identify with this person or I'd like to identify with this person or understand more about this person. I think the two of you really hit a point for me that you you made me kind of reflect back and what that Doom Patrol did for me is that it was that group dynamic of the outcasts, the characters that no one liked. And I was in a world where I felt like the outcast. I couldn't speak English very well. I was living in a world where I didn't know the culture. I didn't understand it enough to even call it culture at that time. I just didn't fit in. I was different. And that really kind of was like, wow, I wanted to read more, but I didn't know how to seek out comics at the time. I didn't know how to seek out other things on Doom Patrol. Uh, But then I picked up uh, maybe a few years later Captain America, which I had grown up a little bit more, obviously, in in a couple years. And that really shaped my identity. 
So I can definitely see Erickson's views really kind of shape how I, what I was looking for younger to a little bit older to what I want now. You're making me realize how late to the game I was uh, because I picked up my first comic book, I think, at the age of 23 or 24. It's never too late for comics. Uh, it's okay. Late bloomers. It's know. late bloomer. No no issues there. But yeah. It's, <laughs> we are still talking about comic books, right? Absolutely. Uh, so thinking about that, and it's ironic too because I picked up my issue was Deadpool and looking at that, and yeah, I'm drawn to more anti-heroes anyway, but really what stood out for me is how philosophical he was when you think about breaking the fourth wall that's incredibly meta and that was one of the if not the biggest thing that drew me to Deadpool and still does to this day I love reading his comics and when he whenever he's able to do a thing and then explain well the creator made me do it that's surprisingly like introspective Absolutely. I, I think uh, what your story t- makes me think about right now is we're all reflecting on when we started to read and what how it kind of evolved. And I think that's an important for us as, as, as a group, but also as the readers, the audience is reflecting on. So understanding why it is they're asking for or what it is they're looking for. So my question for you, Lee, is that so developmentally at 23, who were you? And you don't have to say everything and anything necessarily, but who were you that you were looking for the antihero? Because it would be my guess that developmentally there was something with you that sought that out, that it touched something about where you were at that particular age, that that shaped your comic read, how you read and what you seek out and what you look for. We're all just going to start psychoanalyzing Lee now. Absolutely. I think we're all, we've all opened up. I think it's your turn. So when it comes to Deadpool and what was going on in my life at that point, it was a big life transition for me because I grew up in rural South Carolina. I couldn't tell by the accent. Right. So when it comes to that, moving up to Chicago, like for the first time in like a really, really big city from a very small town, that was a culture shock for me. One. Two was, think about it in terms of socioeconomic status as well. Third, with my classes and my colleagues, whom I love and respect dearly, they had completely different worldviews than I did. So one of the things that I struggled with in my life at that time was the amount of cultural differences and how much that was I was going against the current or going against the grain when it comes to philosophical ideas maybe in terms of like moral judgments is this the right thing to do is this the wrong thing to do is there a best way to do these things and when 12 13 14 other of my colleagues said that the way I was looking at it was maybe not the best way it forced me to either stick with my original opinion or reevaluate what was not that effective. And from there, it became a lot of growth, both personally and professionally. And even in my field today, I'm still trying to challenge myself to say, okay, is this a cultural thing for me or is it a cultural thing for who I'm working with? So that's something that was extremely powerful for me and reading Deadpool comics. Yeah. The antihero is fun. Violence is cool to me to see that. But in terms of like the philosophical, like what does it take to do the right thing? And seeing that through the lens of Deadpool and his stories as ridiculous as they were, 
it was insightful. You connected it, it in relation to where you were developmentally. What do all of you think then when we're talking about diversity and the need for diversity in comic, would you agree or disagree that that need or that desire for diversity in comics, there's going to be a relation to exactly where we are at developmentally for that need and what specifically we need in terms of that diversity is relationally to where we are developmentally. I can definitely agree to that. And I think that if we look at it through this lens in terms of developmental, what it is that we need at what certain point of time in our lives, then that could also indicate that what we need is going to change over our lifetime. And those changes we're going to see, again, throughout our lifetimes, but also throughout the lifetimes of other individuals. So we're going to need a constant evolution in comics and this constant change, which I I do think they try to evolve characters, but it's really hard to when you have characters that are 100 years old and never have aged. It's how do you evolve characters that don't necessarily age? Right. I think... (sighs) I think part of that is the challenge of writers, too, as we get these new up-and-coming writers and also traditional writers. Some people are set on a traditionalist model where Batman is a certain kind of character, per se, but then you have different interpretations of Batman. So then let's look to the movie depiction of Batman. And the original idea was that Batman was never going to uh, use guns. He was never going to use guns. But then relating it to this day and age and to the new demographic of people who are interested in comic books, you know, as I think Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder was the one who did Zack Snyder. Yeah, Zack Snyder is like, well, uh, you know, he, he made the comment after all the criticism that Batman doesn't use guns. He was saying, well, you know, in this day and age, it would be ridiculous for Batman not to use guns. So, you know, catering to... I think it's up for different writers and different directors and different portrayals or, or people doing these these things to really cater to who is actually my audience at this point in time. And you're going to find those traditional writers and creators who say, no, I'm still sticking with source material that Batman will never use guns in my story. Is that a difficult request, though, from the comic industry to have them constantly change and evolve comics? Because you're going to have readers who are at different stages developmentally when they start reading comics, when they start getting introduced to comics, that how do you market towards all them? Because you're going to have children that start reading comics, adolescents, adults, older adults. So you have a different developmental model of individuals who first start reading. So they're going to require or want different things in different points of their life. Even that said, those that start reading comics very early on and now have grown up to whatever stage, adulthood, later adulthood, our changes may may change or they may not. We may still want to see those characters how we first saw them because they're a sense of nostalgia. And they kind of remind us of the things that we went through in life early on. And it just it just brings us back to those early fond memories of what we read. So I don't know if that is going to impact or that would impact but how do we kind of get through that or how do we request that from an industry that they have to keep up with all their readers or some of their readers or how do they even do that is that something that a superhero that the comic can do or is that the responsibility of having new writers or more diverse writers coming in and developing stories different stories how how does that how would that be something that could be feasible in the market that's exactly what i was thinking of more so in terms of whose responsibility is it is it the writer's responsibility to create more diverse dynamic characters is it the writer's responsibility to create storylines for these characters and have them grow along with their readers 
or is it the reader's responsibility to not just take what they can from a certain character and maybe at some point in time move on and find other characters that maybe they can relate to? That's a great point. And I think that's where we're probably heading with diversity in, in comics or what we're really looking at is new characters. It's really hard to keep rehashing older characters and changing them uh, and keeping up. It's It sounds like a lot of us are really looking at new stories with new characters. Right, because then you're going to have those traditionalists who are saying, that's not my Thor. That's not my Captain America. That Those are not my X-Men, even though these new writers are catering to new populations of new readers. You know, you have different, and I'm not saying that's better, any better or worse than anyone else, but... It's you just know, different. It's just different. Some people... You know, if, if uh, you know, I'm a big foodie person, and if you relate it, some people are traditionalists about their apple pie, and some people want to put, you know... Um, cheese. Yeah, cheese, or I want to put these Ketchup. herbs in my pie, and you're like, I people just want... That. I want my pie like, you know, the way my grandma used to make. Wait, who puts cheese in their apple pie? Who puts ketchup in their apple pie? Ooh, yeah, yeah. That hurts my soul. (laughs) And we're not saying that's a bad thing, but... Definitely. Yeah, but it's 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 different. different. It's very different, um, you know, but... Once again, there are there are very traditional traditional people who say want to keep the character. Yeah, the want to keep. And, the, and, and it's funny that you say that. I'll, I'll never forget. I, I was collecting Cap comics as far back as I can remember, and I'll never forget when they Cap had to resign as Captain America, and they had to change the character, the the individual that played Captain America. They changed it. I stopped reading. I stopped collecting. I ended up going into a different comics at that that point, and just wasn't interested until he came back. And then I, w- I started collecting again and went back and tried to kind of read the those that had the difference. And I found myself not liking it. And again, it, it was that was my nostalgic traditional sense where I still wanted Steve Rogers to be Captain America. Now, much more different, but I'm in a different stage development where I like to see the different versions of Cap and the difference of Caps. So there's two things that stand out to me. There's a responsibility of the writers and producers of comics. One is to write refreshing new characters new character arcs new stories either old characters because we spoke about batman earlier whether it be a new story about batman or maybe passing the reins of batman to a new batman if we treat batman as a title rather than batman as bruce wayne so that's one aspect of the writer comic aspect of it I would say also it's the responsibility of the writers, producers, in addition to the traditional characters, coming up with new characters. Again, this is where we lean on their creativity. I think that's one of the great things that makes comic books so awesome. I would say it's also the responsibility of the consumers, the audience members, us, to support local comics. Support those new up-and-coming artists that are trying to push out new stories are trying to push out new characters are trying to put their own personal spin on it absolutely when, when i think about when we go to comic conventions and a lot of them have what they would call artist alley sometimes and you have all these independent individuals selling their comic books or their art and i do see a lot of uh, in, individuals in there diverse diverse characters and it's interesting because they'll have comic books out there that sometimes they're given away for free. And I see people walk by and not even want to take the comic and open it up and take, give it a read 
to the point where I even see individuals such as myself, persons of color, that don't even pick up that comic book. They go right back to looking at their traditional heroes, but they won't pick up this new diverse comic. But then on the same token, I hear people wanting difference, but then they're not getting those when they're there. Well, have you actually gone through artist alleys or comic conventions and those guys are so thirsty for um for any attention hey can i tell you about my comic book hey Absolutely. hey look at you hey um I, I, can i have some of your attention they're pushing it's, hard they they're pushing they're trying to make that uh they're trying to hustle for it but um but some people just walk by and 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 i think part of it is also the approach because they're writers they're artists you know they're not businessmen they're not business models some of them don't have the best advertising or maybe even the social skills to or the means or the means means. you know so um they're they're really relying on just their work to speak for itself but then um i think of the concept of dating you know when when someone is looking for a date and they come off as so thirsty for just the opportunity it's off-putting you know, when somebody's like, please give me a chance. I'm going to be great. You know, I have all these things. Just, you know, give me five minutes of your time. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to keep walking along. Um, but if you actually gave them the time of day, you might find something that you like. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the challenge with, with these new and upcoming writers, especially in these comic conventions, per se. They might have the means for what new readers are looking for. They might have a new idea of representation or diversity or whatever. But we as a community some of us are more traditionalist than some of us uh, wish to acknowledge. You know, I, I propose that, you know, we have comic conventions that have these big name industries, you know, selling their comics, and you have Artist Alley there where they're trying to do that, but they, it's hard to compete. Maybe we need a comic convention for only independents, for smaller name publishers that have diverse comics, uh, an international kind of comic convention for independents. So, like, like IndieCon. Something to that degree. I want to make this plug here is like, when it comes to stories there's a comic book from an independent i think independent comics by brian k vaughn as a writer that it's called saga and it's about seven volumes deep and it's one of the best stories i have read and it's definitely not conventional but it's incredibly incredibly rich in storytelling agreed it reminds me of and not gonna lie i don't remember what the comic was called but we had purchased artwork from the original i would say artist for that comic book and do you know what i'm talking about are you talking about from oklahoma no i think it was in indiana when we went to indiana comic con oh the artist yeah yeah the momoa lisa no not the momoa lisa (laughs) the one where we purchased like a lot of his artwork Uh, what was it the rejected yes the comic was the rejected yeah, rejected, or I believe it was. Yeah, something like that. I mean, when I saw his artwork, it got me interested in the comic that he was doing the artwork for. He went ahead and pitched um, the storyline behind that comic book, and it got me interested in wanting to look and per- look for and purchase it. However, when by the time we got to that booth from the writers of the comic those were already sold out and after i tried looking for that comic book specifically in other stores can't find it can't find it there's i couldn't even get access to it i couldn't even order it online see that's where the means comes in is that marketing and means is really hinders and limits the ability to for more representation for more diversity in comics is the means is really an issue 
So it goes back to the responsibilities of the consumers as well, because I don't want to gloss over this, is there can't really be complaints that there's not enough diversity in comics when there's plenty of artists out there that are trying to push them. Now, to your point, Dr. Serrano, those people can still work on their like sales pitch, but if you don't give those artists and comics the time of day and then turn around in the same convention and say there's not enough like diversity there's not enough like different stories yeah you're doing a disservice to that person i think it's you know it's kind of like how people who complain about politics i'm not i'm not a very political person but somebody who says i don't like the way that the country is being run or i don't like to i don't like that this political person or i don't like this or that well did you vote did you do something about it what what was your stake in it you know or did you are are you doing anything to to make a change you know as as the what is it as the saying goes uh, be the change that you wish to see you know so yeah. are you actually going out there and supporting comic book writers or comic book artists that are actually promoting the kind of diversity you want i think that's important to say especially going to comic cons where for those who don't have access to comic book stores that's where you're going to get the majority of your comic books and for those sitting at the table who started reading comic books early letting your kids just walk around and see what sparks their attention what are they drawn to and letting them read that there are so many independent comic book writers and authors and illustrators at comic book conventions that parents just kind of pull their kids along to what they want to go to so knowing that yes the majority of us started reading comics or comic books young not pushing a child to read maybe the comic book that you read but letting them kind of explore and fees out what is it that they're looking for? What is it that they can be drawn to? And what is it that they can actually identify with? Final thoughts, everyone. Where do we stand on diversity and the need for diversity in comics? I stand by this podcast and the other one where we talked about there is diversity in comics, depending on how you not only define diversity, but also what you're looking for. So with that being said, I think there's a lot that could be gained from maybe exploring more stories, new characters, but we have come a long way. Kelly? Agreed. I do think that there's a lot of diversity in comics. Um, I also want to place it back on the reader to go out and search for what it is that you're looking for. Don't necessarily keep going back to what is mainstream and keep hoping that that's going to change. Sam? I also agree with everybody that, yes, there is a huge diverse population of comic book characters in written media and as well as cinematic media but to go out and find the stories that you need in that moment and regardless of age sex location be able to identify with who do you feel that you need and who do you need to be dr serrano final thoughts um i i would i would echo what was said i think that it's it's based on what you need and how you actually define diversity you know is are you looking for representation of skin color of religion of capabilities what is what is your definition of of diversity and what are you looking for and i think where there is an interest there is someone out there who is trying to address those interests and it's up to you to find them and that's all the time we have for episode three of diversity and comics